This is Running on Fumes, an FC Belvedere Oasis pod. Brought to you by Clorox, the official performance drink of FC Belvedere Oasis. More than often I drive so much it is. Welcome back to Forwards, Backwards, Running on Fumes from the virtual Highbury. As always, uh, we're joined by the otter to my boon, Dan Fallon. Dan, what have you been doing since our podcast Monday other than repeatedly showering? <laughs> um, still basking in the glow of a certain certain team's uh, championship. Even today's events could not really take the shine off of that uh, for me. Um, and uh, waiting patiently for USL to finally announce the, uh, the League One return to play guidelines uh, uh, in the midst of worsening pandemic numbers. Yeah, um, and we're going to talk about that today on the pod. Uh, I did want to say I cared so little about the, the result of today's match that I went to Ikea. So if I'm particularly cantankerous today, uh, we'll, blame, we'll blame the otherwise unimpeachable Swedes for that. Um, didn't have the furniture that I wanted in stock, even though there were 18 different floor, floor models of it. Um, you know, it's fine. It's fine. Was this a was this a Schomburg trip or an Oak Park trip? Oak Creek, Wisconsin. Oak Creek. Sorry. So I did do some sightseeing in the land of of Peter Wilt. Uh, stopped by. I, I went with a friend. Uh, showed her the the basilica at Saint Jehoshaphat. Uh, though we could not go in for you know COVID restricted, um, and we also uh, went and saw on is that twenty seventh and Burnham, Peter the uh, Frank Lloyd Wright row of houses. That's also where uh, my grandmother of the Weselowski clan uh, grew up in, in around 27th and Burnham long, long ago. Um, and, uh, you know, funny thing, Peter, my great, or my grandfather actually grew up on a farm in Milwaukee city limits um, and went to, to Marquette uh, University High School, but lived on a farm within the city of Milwaukee. Was it a cucumber farm? Uh, dirt farm, I think. We were dirt <laughs> <laughs> Long, long ago. Um, so that, that did, other... you, did you drive by the Highbury to see their new beautiful uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo mural? I, I, wanted to, I wanted to go. Oh, that's just a design. Okay. It looks beautiful. Uh, so the, for those of you watching on the simulcast, Peter is, is showing up. Our friends at the virtual Highbury's uh, non-virtual Giannis mural uh with respect on it i wanted to stop by the beer store but uh our our you know joe katz the the high priest of the high berry um closed the beer store um so there was no beer storing for me because he was a little worried about it's open for curbside and uh, pre-orders but you can no longer just walk up so i did not pre-order so i had to i had to shift my schedule around um so but that voice that you hear, our good friend, uh, Paisley in the background, and uh, telling, us to, telling us to move it along. Yeah. Uh, producer Paisley, enough rambling about Ikea and the beer store. Uh, the, the Tom Bendelow, Johnny Appleseed, Ted Kaczynski, Che Guevara, Mr. Peabody, Doc Brown, and Willy Wonka of American soccer, Peter Wilt. Peter, welcome to the show. 
Thank you, Keith. Great to be here. Dan, good to see you again, too. Good to see you, Peter. It's been uh, too long. It's been like two weeks. Yeah. And we're going to go, and so this is a good time to kind of bring up, we're going to go on a little bit of a hiatus here and uh, just kind of midsummer break. Um, you know, Weston, our friend from uh, USL League One Unfiltered, said only you guys would record podcasts when there was no soccer, and then when soccer is coming back, take things off. And that's exactly how we operate. We are an anti-podcast. Screw your expectations. Also, <laughs> since this is the long-distance dedication uh, portion of the podcast, I did want to uh, quickly just give a shout-out to our good friend, uh, David, not Brian, uh, Magnus, uh, also known as Floor Mingos. Uh, had to go in and get a COVID test uh, yesterday. Hasn't received the results, but he's in in uh, sort of lockdown um, and quarantine uh, down in Florida. So he will, uh, even though I told him to stop listening to our podcast, I think he will probably start listening to our podcast again. Um, he wanted absolution from appearing on that other podcast. Um, and I said, nope, you know, that we're not granting that to you. Uh, you, you hang around with Cuba. You get what you deserve. Um, uh, and so I said, stop listening if you don't like it, but I'm going to welcome him back into the fold. Cause I know, you know, it's a, a tough time, but we are more seriously, David, we are, we are pulling for you and you're a great member, uh, even long distance of the, of the community around forward Madison. So we're all pulling for you. Same here. It's, it's been a tough uh, couple of weeks. I think since I, I last talked to you guys, uh, I lost a, a former player of mine, Ken Snow to COVID-19. Uh, at the age of 50, he played for me with the Chicago Power, uh, brought him in on a trial with Chicago Fire. He was living in uh, Indiana. He's a former two-time Herman Award winner with IU. And arguably the best high school player ever out of Illinois. Um, you know, he and I remained in contact uh, through my years in Indianapolis. And that was a real tough one to, to lose him. And then... Um, uh, last week, I found out a, uh, a friend of mine, Nancy Brown, from uh, the Brickyard Battalion, one of the leaders of the drum corps for the India 11 supporters group, uh, is, is now fighting uh, COVID-19. Uh, she's not hospitalized. She's, she's um, taking it on at home uh, for now. I think she's at day seven of it. And, um, and, and it's, it's not an easy thing. You get the Facebook updates uh, and uh, you can see it's, it's, it's a struggle. And then today I found out uh, the father of a friend of mine um, uh, who I've known since the Chicago Fire days. He's now a big Indy 11 uh, fan, Frank Hall. His mother, a real elderly woman, uh, 95 years old, is, is, is um, fighting COVID-19 as well. So, you know, it... it, it, it hits home more when it leaves the newspaper headlines and, and the television and internet and, and hits uh, the people, you know, personally. And so that's all I want to say is wear a fucking mask. You're here. Uh, if, you know, uh, and I think, um, you know, bef this is a more natural segue. Uh, I was going to talk and, and maybe we can return this for David because David is a, a big grateful dead fan. Um, we were going to talk a little bit about that July 2nd uh, Summerfest show, and we were going to not talk about our favorite, our favorite non-dead, non-fish uh, uh, concerts. Yes. Thank you. 
I looked at Dan's grin and, you know, it was hard for me not to, to spit it out. Um, but I did want to talk, you know, so I'll be honest with you. Part of the reason I want to take a hiatus is I don't feel great about USL league one returning. Um, and you know, we, we've heard a little bit about Ford Madison's plans and, uh, it sounds like, you know, they're, they're making things more concrete so they can play some matches in the state of Wisconsin. Um, and there may be more, an announcement of that at the, the town hall scheduled for Monday, but I don't want to, first of all, I'm not an epidemiologist, so neither is Dan, uh, Peter may have been one in a past one life. On the internet, so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, uh, you are the Lewis Brandeis of Twitter. I think we did discuss that. Yeah. Um, but so none of us are experts in any way. We can't give you any better advice than an Anthony Fauci, who, you know, shockingly, you know, our central government is basically a, a disaster. Um, and yes, the, the, you know, so I'm not real excited about the return to play. And I, I don't want to hype it up. I was a little uh, peeved, I'll say, that, you know, the quote that was retweeted from League One of our interview, which maybe we were just lobbing softball questions to Ryan Madden, uh, was basically we have owners who are ready to play. We have players who are ready to play. Um, and we want to get back on the field because I don't think that's Dan or I's attitude towards it. And Dan, maybe I'm wrong, but, you know, no, I mean, I, I would agree. And I, um, you know, I think there's, I don't want to diminish the financial pressure that clubs and everyone around, basically everyone around the world is under. Like, I, I, I don't want to make it seem like I'm, I'm uncaring or unaware of that. I guess what I would say is if you look at, you know, NWSL, MLS, um, you know, these kind of pod systems where they can kind of control everybody moving in and out and they're playing in stadiums where there's no fans. Um, even that I still think is kind of, I, I get why they're doing it, but um, I just, I have, I have a really tough time um, under any circumstances allowing fans into the stadium. I, I you know, what, and again, whether it's, whether the risk is high or low, I think um, and leaving aside kind of some of the real, the real heartbreak that people are going through, as Peter just mentioned, um, the optics are just, I, I just think the optics are going to get worse and worse. Um, and to be the first league and correct me if I'm wrong, they're going to be the first league with fans back in stadiums, watching professional sports. I, I could be wrong, but I can't think of another American professional sport that has, has hosted a game, uh, with fans in the stadium. So, um, and now, you know, they were making these plans weeks ago when things were, you know, you know, obviously the numbers looked better, but I, I've been saying from the beginning, it was one thing to shut everything down, but if we weren't going to be doing testing and contact tracing and all the other things that go along with it, it was kind of a fool's errand. Um, and unfortunately for them, the, the news just keeps getting worse and worse in terms of cases and, and particularly where a lot of these games are going to be played, Texas, Florida, Arizona. Um, so that's just my personal take on it. Uh, Peter, like, looks like you want to jump in. Um, but I, I just, I, I'm just concerned. And I, I think um, it's a big risk. Yeah, no, I think those are all valid points. You know, I've, I've said, I think consistently from the beginning that 
as long as they're following the public health officials' recommendations, I'm comfortable with it. But what's going on now, not too surprisingly, is that it's become a roller coaster. And with the reopenings in different parts of the country, it's becoming worse. And I think in those parts of the country, the public health officials are clearly saying no large gatherings. Uh, and if they want to play the games in closed stadiums where it's just the players and the players are being tested and, and segregated and sanitized and every precaution is being taken for the players and they're the only ones at risk, um, I, I'm, I'm generally comfortable with it because I understand that we can't just stop the world entirely. I think the way NWSL has done it has been as good as possibly can be done. Um, I understand it's not perfect, but I don't think even public health officials are looking for a perfect scenario to restart life again. Uh, but what concerns me here is that, as Dan, you said, in, in parts of you know, Texas and Florida and the East Coast um, or California, I and mean, it's, it's going to be uh, risky to have gatherings of uh, a lot of people. And I know personally, I'm, I'm sheltering at home um, and uh, I won't be participating in any large gatherings anytime soon. And that's the, you know, the other piece of it is I think the, I have not sat down as Ryan Madden suggested and read the 55 page <laughs> return to play document, but I, I believe I think I've, I've got this on good authority that that, that the, the document includes like kind of no chanting, no singing, you know, kind of all of the things that are part of the environment that you want when you go to a professional football match. Now, you know, I guess for a little bit of levity, they probably haven't had chanting or singing at a Chattanooga game since they started, except for the day we were there. But, you know, from, from the standpoint hey, Dan, of... Dan, what do you think about Chattanooga? Uh, fuck Chattanooga. Um, so, um, uh, who, yeah, anyway, I won't go down that path. Um, so, you know, it, even, yeah, well, I was going to be critical of their uh, lack of uh, Juneteenth uh, social media posts, but I digress. Um, uh, yeah, so even, you know, there's even an admittance from the league that like behaving like you normally would at a football match is also somewhat problematic. Um, so again, I would be okay with the closed door model. I mean, I understand the, the financial ramifications of that for the clubs is, is tough um, because so much of what you're hoping to do is generate gate revenues, but you know, to what end and to what, what message are, are you sending? And then in forward Madison's case, you're sending, you know, the, the flying commercial is um, you know, I know they're trying to minimize the amount of flying these teams are doing, but you're flying players into into airports and locations where they have high amount, high community spread. What if they bring it back? And again, I understand that like risks are low, but once these stories get out, they have legs and it's, you know, I, I, at some point the risk seems to be, to me, seems to be unbalanced in terms of playing with fans versus not playing with fans. But I mean, under the, even the best of situations, a commercial flight is a goddamn Petri dish. Let's be clear. And so, because you're sitting in recycled air for, for an hour and a half, two hours, right? Um, so if anybody on that plane gets on, doesn't wear a mask and has COVID, 
even if they have a mask, you know, you're going to be breathing their air for long periods of time. Yes, Peter. Okay. As I mentioned, I do play an epidemiologist on the internet. <laughs> um, and my understanding is flights are actually relatively safe uh, because that recirculation of the air purifies the air every time it goes through. So it's not a flying Petri dish, as you described it. Yeah, the, I have seen some new, there is some thought that, uh, but they were saying you still want empty seats and people not right next to you, which some of the airlines now are doing away with. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, again, now we're getting into the, the epidemiologists of the day, but I, I did also read something saying that with masks and with the air circulation, that planes are actually sometimes safer than some indoor spaces, but I digress. Well, but, uh, I, I mean, I was just going to say, like most people, I usually get sick after I fly. Like, <laughs> you know. Um, That's because and, of the four GNTs in the 90-minute flight. <laughs> That's that's after I land, Dan. Before and after. I don't pay the $12 for the shitty cocktails, Dan. Dan's comment about Juneteenth Day reminded me, I swear I read yesterday that our beloved Senator Ron Johnson is proposing flipping uh, yes. Columbus Day for Juneteenth Day and getting rid of Columbus Day. Yes. I, I can't true. believe I may actually agree with ron johnson on something <laughs> uh, well you know obviously it's ron johnson so yeah he he's I, I think upset he got in a shot about lazy federal workers sucking from the government teat i think there was something about that in there but yes he is doing something i think in broad you know yeah. broad strokes we might be able to but agree with him our point or at least my point should be no ron juneteenth gets its own day and columbus day is actually which with an indigenous American day. Uh, this is kind of like this is kind of like the Mississippi thing. The part that everyone's missing about that story is that yes, they removed the Confederate flag, but the resolution was that it now has to include under God <laughs> on the flag. I'm not. That's not a joke. That's not a joke. Uh, I mean, but that's 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 how the sausage is made, Dan. You gotta. It's compromises in politics. Um, I, I was gonna say sausage. I was going to say this is everybody's favorite. This is everybody's favorite segment of the podcast where Peter reorients the calendar. Um, the, 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 the holidays go along with your, is it the 10 day week? Oh gosh. No, eight day, eight day week. Eight day week with three, three day, day weekend. weekend and a five day work week. Yeah. But fewer Mondays off. So like tomorrow we wouldn't get off right for July 4th. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I think it's it's a secret capitalist plot by Peter to make us work more. Um, any others? Yeah, so I, I will say I will say I quickly took a look at the so just kind of getting to what you know let's let's put aside the fact we don't think they should play and let's get down to playing. Um, so twenty game season, uh, everybody will play everybody except each team won't play one team. Um, Madison won't play Orlando. Orlando, um, which I, that, I, I'm okay with that. Or Mingo's is livid. I mean, we are selling <laughs> out here. We said all those um, nice things, and now we're like, ah, screw you. You won't be able to see Orlando play. Uh, let's or hope Madison. that our resident doctor isn't going to the matches. Um, but I was going to say I do like the you know single table and then just the top two teams. So it does really kind of reward the two best teams in the league. It doesn't give uh, some crappy 
the upstart, the chance to sneak into fourth place on the last day of the season. Um, but uh, but so I do like that. I do like that you're going to end up with the two best teams in the end, uh, just playing a, uh, I assume a one game championship. I, I, I don't think it's a home way. I was surprised if accommodations weren't made with Toronto. I I don't know how that's going to work crossing the border one way or the other. Are are they letting Americans into Canada? That's what surprised me. If I were them, I wouldn't. No, (laughs) no, you know, and I, I will say, I, you know, this is, again, leaving aside my personal feelings, you know, it's pretty remarkable. Like this, like, you know, NWSL, MLS, EPL. Okay, England, that's one country. They have one set of rules they're all operating under. They were able to figure out, here's how we bring the league back under our country's rules. USL is having to deal with counties, cities, states, other countries. I mean, this is like the biggest cluster of, of trying to figure out something like this. And, you know, everything is so tenuous from day to day about what's going to be allowed in one place. And so if they get the whole season in, like, I'll be, I'll be pretty, pretty impressed. Uh, um, well, you know, so when, after our hiatus and on an episode where we're not going to be directly insulting Peter's employer, um, <laughs> maybe I'll go off on that particular topic. Um, because I have some, I have some thoughts on those matters. Um, as a noted tax specialist, I, and that's actually what I do. I don't just play one on the internet. Um, so um, I, I have some some thoughts on that matter, but I don't want to, uh, you know, air air my grievances. Even though nobody listens to this podcast, I don't want to air my grievances in public. So. Um, Honestly, when, when, you know, games start again, I think we'll get back to, because, you know, one of the things last time where we just went off about Liverpool, I miss just talking about games and the sport itself with you, Dan. I know that's the nicest thing I've ever said to you and let's not make it a habit. Um, And you, Peter, I mean, that's why, you know, part of the fun of soccer is the chanting, the yelling at the matches that we're not going to be able to do. But it's also recapping it with your buddies after the matches. And so hopefully, you know, one, when the season gets over, we can express our silent disgust at the, at the beginning and then, you know, uh, slowly walk ourselves into oblivion by talking about the matches. Are we going to finish this episode, this podcast, by uh, making our, our predictions on who's going to be in the final and who's going to win? Uh, sure. We can do that right now. <laughs> I mean, I'm a little worried that it's going to be last team standing <laughs> at this point. So well, I think I think the point I want to make is the team that's already taken just a massive step back is uh, is I don't remember the name, but the the Miami affiliate who has already lost U.S. soccer legend Breck Shea. I mean, the, how do you overcome losing? a talisman like Breck and his, his wonderful white man dreadlocks and his uh, photos with goats. And uh, his, his, uh, if you recall when his, they announced that his wife was pregnant and the picture that they released to the press was her nude with the paint, the air paint on her. I mean, the guy is just, he's just, uh, uh, he's just my favorite. I love him. And I'm so sorry. 
uh, for whatever the Miami team is called. What are they called again? <laughs> South There's Fort Lauderdale. Are they Fort Lauderdale? There's Inter Miami, and then there are Fort, Fort Lauderdale. Lauderdale. I don't, I don't know. They don't even exist. Again, this is one of my conspiracy theories. I don't think they're participating this year, are they? I think they're undefeated. Huh? Uh, very fair. Much like, much like this, this St. Louis team you guys keep telling me is coming that isn't actually coming. <laughs> I mean, I uh, on this front, like, you know, so when, when, you know, the Bundesliga went back, when NWSL went back, uh, I had a certain, and even the English Premier League, even with, you know, Boris Johnson in charge, you, you have a certain sense of, like, respect for competence and respect <laughs> for expertise MLS just seems to be throwing its hands up and being like, whatever. I mean, somehow, you know, FC Dallas gets six guys diagnosed. Ten counting staff. Yeah, it's yeah. ten. By, you know, when they're supposed to be in quarantine, like, are they not understanding how the quarantine works? Like, from the leaving of Dallas to the arriving in Orlando, ten people get infected. Something tells me either they weren't testing beforehand or they were like, hey, guys, go out, hit the clubs. We'll see you in a, in a couple of days. Could have been a few. It could have, been those, it could have come through the box lunches that were delivered. To <laughs> those, I was going to say, there could have also been five or ten or some number in between there that joined the Mile High Club of some sort. Uh, uh, <laughs> Solo or partnered up. <laughs> um, <laughs> is it is it Pablo Moore? Pablo, Pablo Moore. Uh, I can't remember his first name. Uh, no, yeah, Pablo. Yeah, uh, at, who wrote uh, though about the box lunch? Actually, kind of cracked me up. He's like, you know, these guys are complaining about this sixty-five dollar box lunch, which you know they're getting gouged by the hotel very clearly, but that's room service. Uh, you know, but there, there are some guys that played in MLS in 97 who are like, I did it for a can of Bush's baked beans in the back. of <laughs> <laughs> You know, I think, I think coach Shore uh, still thinks you owe him money from the season. He served as goalkeeper coach, Peter. Well, at least the banana in that picture was yellow. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Early in the last days, you're not sure what color it would have been. That would have been green. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, on the on a slightly different subject, uh, you know, Summerfest normally would be going on, and July third uh, tomorrow is like of the nights of Summerfest, the biggest night. It was when the fireworks would go off, and today, actually, in in was it nineteen seventy three or seventy two, Dan, that the Grateful Dead were scheduled to play at Summerfest. Uh, no, had all 78. Years. I think it was 78. 78. Okay. Because uh, early 70s, uh, everything was mud. And so if it rained, it just turned into a giant mud pile. But so 78, they were set to play today in, in on Summerfest. And I spent a lot of my uh, formative years developing the warm and cuddly personality you know now as a bartender for uh, Major Goolsby's at Summerfest. I would work there for basically like two or three weeks every summer doing setup and, and takedown and bartending. I hauled beer. Uh, so that's like as close to real work other than my time at the gas station as I've ever been. Um, and I have, you know, fond memories of uh, seeing Ted Nugent do a sound check um, where it's the loudest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Um, 
but uh, wanted to kind of related to Summerfest outside of this sort of, and Peter, I imagine you've gone to quite, quite a few Summerfests in your time, uh, sort of best concerts that you've, you've ever seen. If, you've, if it was one at Summerfest, awesome. Um, Dan, I don't know if you've ever been to Summerfest, um, but if you have a favorite Summerfest show that you've seen, but kind of best, you know, summer, summertime, I'm missing kind of concerts. Um, so what, what you guys enjoyed? Go ahead, Peter. So uh, my favorite concerts were all at small indoor clubs, punk clubs in the early eighties, X cramps, um, the clash, Ramones, that sort of thing. My, my, um, Summerfest memories go back to, I think 77 or 78. The first one I went to at the Miller Jazz Oasis when they actually had jazz at the Jazz Oasis was Chick Corea and Herbie Hancock, which was just a spectacular show. Um, the most memorable one would have been about 1982 at the, the main stage. I got there early. It was general admission, third row center to see the Allman Brothers, which, you know, it, yeah, I thought that was going to be a, a really amazing show. I waited, you know, two hours because I got in there real super early to get the good seats. Two hours for them to get on stage. They played half of a song and then the skies open and lightning poured down and they stopped the show. They went, the band went off, half the crowd left. They didn't make any announcements though about it being canceled. Slowly people started to leave, maybe an hour and a half of me just sitting there in the rain poured soaking wet they finally came out and said oh yeah the the show's canceled at this point i was literally one of 20 people that was still there <laughs> and i stayed in the third row even though the first row was empty and i could have gone to the first row but i figured i'd waited two hours to get that third row seat i wasn't going to give it up when i finally did leave i i, I, I walked back to where my bike was locked up and I found the lock to my bike, which was really nice. But I did not find my bike. <laughs> <laughs> Some in, 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 intrepid uh, uh, person had uh, separated my bike from its lock, and uh, I, I lost that. So you called an Uber and went home? <laughs> <laughs> I invented Uber and drove myself home. <laughs> and then Dickie Betts came roaring up on a motorcycle, <laughs> and I jumped on the back, and off I went. I've since seen the graves of Dwayne Allman and uh, Dickie Betts. Yeah. And let's be let's be honest here. It could have been a member of their crew that stole your bike. They were a pretty shady bunch. <laughs> <laughs> I did just learn recently. I did just learn recently that their one manager in the '70s beat beat a bar owner to death over five hundred dollars. So <laughs> I think you passed that one along to me, Dan. Uh, yeah, yeah. And he wait. What? And he got off because he was able to claim temporary insanity from the yeah. lifestyle they were living yeah. on the road and all the drinking and drugs and not sleeping. Basically huh. had done so much coke that he had gone crazy. <laughs> um, like that seems like an odd defense. <laughs> that's, that's, that's some top class lawyering. That's why you pay $500 an hour for your lawyer. <laughs> um, you know, Peter, it, it's funny that you mentioned that one of the, my memorable times and, 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 uh, it's probably an inappropriate analogy, but, uh, I was there for the 105th anniversary of, of, uh, Harley Davidson. I don't know if you remember being there, 
And literally they drank Summerfest out of beer. Um, and part of the problem was Miller was trying to promote plastic bottles rather than kegs. And so, you know, you can, you can move basically in a keg, you know, and you can move two on a hand truck. You can move 320 beers at a time. Stacking even six boxes on a hand truck of, of bottles is 100 beers, you know, give or take 120. So they, they, were, they ran out at the main thing. They, were, they had to bring them down from the Miller factory. They, were, they had just come off the, the line. They were still warm. And it's the only time in my entire Summerfest career that I ever gave a beer back to, like, took refunded money because a guy would take a sip and he'd go, Keith, this, you know, hey, Keith would be the polite term. Uh, <laughs> Keith is also a synonym for asshole generally in life. Uh, this beer is warm. And I went, you're absolutely right, six foot five inch handlebar mustache, man. Here is your $5 back. Like, I'm not starting a riot tonight, but it was insanity. But uh, Bruce played, you know, because they had Elton John for the, you know, as the special guest for the 100th. And Elton John is a heck of a piano player. Don't get me wrong. Not a Harley guy. And so, like, everybody in America knew that they had to bring in Bruce. And they brought in Bruce. And I think Bruce, you know, built three houses in the Hamptons with the money they paid him from that one. And it was Tremendous. I mean, that guy, you know, puts on a fantastic show. Um, and I worked over there, requested, but I also saw Los Lobos that weekend. ZZ Top rolled out, I think. Um, but the best, most memorable show I've ever seen was similar to yours, just Driving Rain and the Roots play. And they, the way the, the new Harley stage was structured during Summerfest, you could play in the rain um, as long as there wasn't like a huge electrical storm going on. Um, and so it just driving rain from about six o'clock on, but no, no storm. And there couldn't have been more than 30 people, eight of whom were some of my best friends in the entire world. And they played two hours straight, like no, no breaks between songs. They sampled the Simpsons theme song at one point. It was like a, a you know, Grateful Dead fish-esque jam, but centered around hip hop. I mean, their, their musicianship was off the charts and in terms of pure music, one of the best things I ever saw. The other thing that I love about Summerfest was REO Speed, you'd get the washed up 70s rockers every year and REO Speedwagon, I must've seen them a dozen times. And every year, I think it was a different person, but he'd come up and go, man, I remember seeing these guys at the Monsters of Rock show in 78 at County Stadium. And that must've been the greatest concert in Milwaukee history. Peter, were you there? I missed that one. <laughs> Ario Speedwagon, Monster of Rock. Dan, uh, other than uh, other than Steely Dan at Summerfest, um, I'm, so I'm dead. I was trying to remember if I've actually ever been to Summerfest. So when I lived in uh, in Shorewood, just north of Milwaukee, for a few years as a kid, I mean, I went to things there, but I, I you know, like if it was Summerfest or if it was Polish Fest or. Italia, like I can't remember. I do remember the only Festa music. Italia. I What's that? Festa Italia. Festa Italia. The only time I remember actually seeing music was a was a um, Beach Boys cover band. So that 
not that memorable, but I was in that. It was Summerfest. What's that? That may have been Summerfest. And it was like on a side stage and like I was in the, uh, those pods that go over the top of Summerfest. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of my Summerfest memory there. Um, I went to a brewer game that day. I had a friend whose mom was one of those moms who would, you know, she, you would do 56 things in a day. So like we went miniature golfing, go-kart riding, half of a brewer game, Summerfest, you know, like, and we were gone like all day. It was like the best day ever. I just don't remember any of it. Um, <laughs> in terms of, uh, so leaving aside Fish, um, who, who put on probably the best festivals uh, in the world, um, I had the wonderful opportunity when I lived out in Idaho to go to the Sasquatch Festival uh, two years in a row, which is held at the Gorge, which um, if you ever get a chance to go, it is, it is, you know, I haven't been to Red Rocks, but I can't imagine there are many other venues in America that are as beautiful as the Gorge. It's just, it's, Would you say it, it's it was gorgeous. Just, it's gorgeous. Um, and it was so, it's one of those places that was so hyped up that when I got there, I was like, this can't be as good as everybody says it is. And it was better. Um, but I went two years in a row and saw, um, I'm just trying to think of a few, like Santa gold, uh, was like one of, one of the best sets I've ever seen at a festival. Um, she just crushed it, uh, in the middle of the afternoon. I was about, and when you're there, you're in, it's high desert. So it's about 90 degrees during the day. And then about 40 degrees at night. Um, and she was in this gold one piece suit and it was about 90 degrees. And she, after a few songs, I'll never, she said, I got to tell you, having Burger King for lunch was a bad idea earlier today, <laughs> which I thought was amazing. Um, and then later that afternoon, I got to see the Fleet Foxes. Um, and this was 2009. So that maybe, so that album had just come out, you know, they were kind of just starting to peak. And what I'll never forget is every other band, you know, comes out and they got to quickly set up and tune and they kind of, you know, maybe five minutes later, they just go and, um, and, you know, and then they're tweaking things and like, you know, you can tell they're still working out the sound. Fleet Foxes were up there tuning for like 20 minutes, 25 minutes on stage. People kind of just forgot they were up there. And then all of a sudden they started and the place just went silent. And it was like, they sounded better than anyone had all weekend. And it was just, it was absolutely phenomenal. Um, 20 minutes tuning. What do they think? They're the Grateful Dead. I was going to say, it sounded like a Grateful Dead jam. Yeah. Um, and then the other band I, I'll say that I, that I'll never forget was, this was the next year when I went back was um, Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros, who, again, this was like right when that song kind of, I didn't realize, oh no, 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 no. sorry. I take that back. It was um, Mumford and Sons who I thought were still like an under the radar band. We had just seen Tallest Man on Earth on a side stage. And my friends and I, we were way up close. And uh, we we're like, oh, yeah, let's stick around and check out Mumford and & Sons. And as they got closer and closer to coming on stage, it went from about 3,000 people at this side stage to about 10,000 people at this side stage. And all of a sudden, we had been, we'd just been sitting there with all this room. All of a sudden, it was like, oh, what's going on? And then we look around, and it's like, just like 19 year olds uh, from college all around us and Mumford and Sons starts and everyone is singing every word at the highest decibel I've ever heard. And we just were like, let's get, let's get out of here. <laughs> so we, <laughs> we, we took off uh, and went and checked out some other bands, but um, I've had just incredible experiences at both of those festivals. It's a, a, just an amazing, amazing venue. Peter, so, any uh, Summerfest actually, I worked Summerfest for a dozen years. Um, what did you do? Were you security? Well, 
Well, four years I was with the Milwaukee Admirals, and every day we would have a show. And so I was like the MC hosting. Um, the, the, the players were on rollerblades. And do you think that experience prepared you for this podcast? Your your ability to MC? Absolutely, my first uh, public speaking engagement. <laughs> <laughs> then I went to the Milwaukee Wave, and I was like, "Oh, bummer! I'm not going to be able to do Summerfest anymore." Well, sure enough, then the Wave got a, a daily show at Summerfest, and I essentially did the same thing there. But before that, when I was in school, I was an usher for Midwest Services, which was kind of the Andy Frayne ushers of the Milwaukee Brewers, and they had a contract with Summerfest back when Summerfest had the carnival on what's now where the amphitheater is. And at that carnival, they had, in addition to rides and corn dogs, they had sideshows, essentially freak shows. And so my job as an usher there was to take the tickets for the sideshows. First, I think it was a dollar to, to go to the sideshow. One day, I remember, it was uh, the world's smallest woman. It was kind of a sad thing, this little person, very little person, a woman, she sat behind the curtain, so you, you took the ticket, the person went in the back, and the woman, I swear she was behind like a picket fence, sitting on an air mattress, reading a book, and the people would just go back there and stare at her. And, it just, and they'd be like, okay, and then they'd walk out. Well, the next day, I was taking an usher, I was taking tickets for another sideshow that proclaimed to have a group of the world's smallest people. They said they were 18 inches tall. You can come on back and even talk to them. And they were pygmies, ultra pygmies from Africa. And it was a, a total hoax. They weren't real, of course. It was a clay is model. Had, is this when you had stones thrown at you? Didn't you get something thrown yes. at you? I got stoned. So the people got angry. They paid their dollar, gave me the ticket. They went back there to see these uh, world's smallest people, and they were clay models of, of pygmies that may or may not have lived 10,000 years ago. Uh, a Scientific American magazine article was blown up in front that, if you look closely, explained they don't live today. They're not really behind there. But the people didn't know it. And so when they left, they were really angry. They were shouting at the, the carnival barker and throwing stones at him and me. Throwing, uh, yelling at a carnival barker is probably a losing, a losing proposition. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of, their, kind of their jam. Well, I was going to say. Give the dollar, he did not I, give the money back like you did, Keith. I, I was going to say, uh, you know, uh, to quote Bob Dylan, though, everybody must get stoned. Um, those people came out of that uh, attraction and started yelling, what the fuck, Keith? <laughs> <laughs> you asshole. <laughs> Synonym for all assholes at Summerfest, Keith. It's got to be Keith's uh, fault. That, that, does, that does remind me, I once saw Bob Dylan at uh, the Iowa State Fair. Um, he did a tour of state fairs, and I went to like three or four of the stops. Um, I've seen way too many Bob Dylan shows. Uh, and... Uh, Everybody was so pissed because he did. They just wanted to, to play every single song exactly how they remembered it, and he'd he'd take like the times they are changing and turn it into a waltz, you know. And people were just so angry. And then the acoustics, because he was on the racetrack, 
And, you know, we were under the grandstand were the worst of any concert I've ever been to. I mean, it was a great show because he has just a tremendous band, but the acoustics were awful. And I just remember like so many people leaving and it was one of the, the best things ever because when people leave Bob Dylan shows, I think he's secretly happy. Um, much like I'm hap secretly happy when we lose listeners. Um, the other thing that was sort of disappointing this summer was uh, Run the Jewels uh, hip hop group. We were going to play with Rage Against the Machine, who as an old punk guy like yourself, Peter, uh, you probably appreciate a little of Rage Against the Machine. Um, and I saw them at uh, the Tibetan Freedom concert in like 2000, uh, super hungover. And because it was the Tibetan Freedom concert, they didn't serve beer at the, the concert itself. And I remember us getting a case of beer, drinking it in the parking lot, you know, four of us. So we were in good shape to go in. It's a 12 hour concert. So we figured, you know, we've taken the hangover off. Let's just, you know, keep it going the rest of the day. And I remember my friend walking up and saying, yeah, I'll have uh, four Miller, Miller genuine drafts. Uh, sorry, uh, we don't have those. Uh, all right, Miller Lights then. Uh, I'm sorry, you know, we, we're not serving beer today. No, 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 I'll have four beers. <laughs> <laughs> he's like this is wisconsin <laughs> what's going on here and also, you know, no. it no beer um wow so, yeah um, that does happen in wisconsin other than badger games i, I was know. hung i was hung over twice that day uh don't recommend <laughs> that even through the hangover rage against machine were awesome so uh any other concert related comments anything we didn't touch upon uh peter dan we're, we're going to see you, you know, uh, maybe in, in Peter, we'll get together again here in two weeks. We probably won't do a Monday podcast for a couple of weeks. We're going to, you know, try to wash the stench of talking to a PR person off, off of us. Um, and, you know, just kind of our general distaste of, of, of kind of the return to play from, you know, hopefully maybe things will get safer. Maybe they'll reconsider. Uh, if not, you can listen to our half-assed uh, analysis of the matches uh, when when they strike up again. Um, so happy Fourth of July, everyone. Uh, Peter, thanks for joining us. Thanks for giving your Summerfest memories. Maybe off air we can trade some more great Summerfest stories. I hope the three people who listened to us enjoyed us. Dan, you have a social engagement to get. Believe it or not, are you super, hashtag super spreader? Yeah. Did did was uh, did like did you send away for the extra strength? Are you going to wear like the plastic mask? with the, the like respiratory things off of it? What's going on? No, but I thought I would stop at the college club for some liquid courage on the way over there just to, <laughs> just to make sure I'm, I'm feeling good and ready to, to, to do this social, social I mean, engagement. So. As someone whose first bar when he may have been all of 18 years old was the college club, I'm pretty sure I picked up several communicable diseases pre-COVID from the college club. Um, just... In any circumstance, not the safest environment in a pandemic. My, my wife seems to recall that they had to shut down at one point many years ago due to a, a meningitis outbreak. And the place had to be, had to be uh, cleaned. I was going to say like meningitis or pink eye. I remember that long ago. Yeah. 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 And uh, I have, I have, I've known colleagues who eat lunch there regularly. And I wanted to tell them you might want to go in on a Friday or Saturday night at about midnight. And you might make a different decision about where to spend your hard-earned lunch dollars. <laughs> uh, they have great Bloody Marys. I will give them credit for that. Yeah. Uh, so uh, good luck, Dan. Try not to die. Uh, probably in poor taste, that joke. 
Uh, <laughs> that's never stopped me before. Uh, so, you know, stay safe, everyone. Peter, thanks again for joining us. Uh, until next time, we say forwards, not backwards, upwards, not forwards, and always twirling, twirling, twirling towards freedom. <laughs>